It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Cincinnati Reds have made the 2020 playoffs and the Locked On Reds podcast will be here each and every day to chronicle the goings on of the first winning Reds team in the last six years. My name is Jeff Carr and I'm your host of the Locked On Reds podcast. Let's go. What's up and what's happening, Reds fans? Welcome in to today's Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on today's show. We're going to unpack that first wild card game. Holy cow. This is the episode of Frustration. If you had not watched the game, if you missed the game, you missed a very frustrating about five hours. Okay, it wasn't quite five hours, but it felt like a lifetime worth of the Reds not scoring. Going to unpack all of that here in just a minute, and we're going to talk about game two that's happening very, very quickly here on your Thursday. But before we get to all of that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Locked On Reds on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone, 513 513- 549-0159 will be taking some reactions, some questions, all that good stuff in a segment of Jeff's Junk Mail later on here in the week. But first, let's talk about this game. Oh my gosh. Now, there's two, there's two thoughts, and I know we're all Reds fans here. We're all super frustrated with the outcome of this game, but as a baseball fan, as a fan of postseason drama, as a fan of pitching, I love that game. That game was amazing. A hell of a game to watch from that regard. But I'm also a Reds fan, so I'm very frustrated. Oh my gosh. The missed opportunities get you a girl that loves you as much as the Reds love missing opportunities to score runs, especially yesterday. That was a clinic in how to not score runs. It all started in the first inning. The first two pitches of the game were hits for the Reds. Nick Senzel singled, then Nick Castellanos singled, and Castellanos sent Senzel to third on that single. You got runners on the corners with nobody out, two pitches into the game? Are you kidding me? And then a ground out. Wheat ground out at that, nobody moves. And then a line out. And then another ground out. And that's the inning. And that's when Max Freed really settled in. And and real quick, too, let me address this, because I know a lot of people were really frustrated with the short at-bats. They were frustrated that Max Freed's pitch count didn't get really high. That was kind of the antithesis of what this offense has been and what this lineup has been doing over the last three weeks. But the scouting report says that Max Freed loves his first pitch fastball, loves him some first pitch strikes with a fastball. So the lineup was going to be aggressive. They were always going to come out of the gate swinging. And that's exactly what happened. That's why those at-bats were short. Now, here's the thing. He's good at inducing, you know, weak contact. And that's what happened for most of the game. But the Reds were able to get 
base runners, which made it even more frustrating. They had so many chances with guys, multiple guys on base, guys in scoring position. They ended the game stranding 13 runners on base. 13. How many innings did they play? Oh, yeah, 13. So one per inning, basically, but that wasn't quite the case. There were a few innings where they, you know, went down in order, but there were also a few innings where they left them loaded, too. In fact, eight, that's right, eight of those 13 runners were left on base during extra innings. And for most people, that's really what stuck in their crawl. That's really what got to them was the extra inning performance. But I look back at the seventh. The seventh inning was probably the most frustrating inning I've watched as a Reds fan in a very long time. You get runners on first and second with one out, and Kyle Farmer's at the plate. Kyle Farmer hits a ground ball that looks like a double play ball, but he hustles it out. He beats out the throw to first base. So you've got runners on the corners with two outs, and Kirk Casale's coming up. Kirk Casale had an amazing game behind the plate. Defensively looked completely unbelievable. Looked like a gold glove catcher in that game. Didn't quite get the hitting going, but he's the kind of guy that you think can hit you a nice line drive, get you a base hit into the outfield, score that run from third, and he's a right-handed hitter. And he's facing a left-handed bat or a left-handed pitcher. But David Bell pinch hits for him. And he brings in Matt Davidson, who randomly is on the playoff roster. Hadn't played in like a month, but they put him on the playoff roster. Don't really get that. Tyler Stevenson not on the playoff roster. Don't really get that. But here comes Matt Davidson. He sees a total of two pitches. And they call a double steal. With Kyle Farmer at first and Aristides Aquino on third. And it really... Really looked like Aristides Aquino did not get that sign. Because on the pitch that Kyle Farmer tries to steal second on, as the pitch goes into the catcher's mitt, Aquino, you can watch the replay of this, Aquino's walking back, to, you know, kind of quick jog back to third, getting ready for the next pitch. He did not know there was a double steal on. And by the time he figured it out, it was way, way too late. He gets caught in a rundown, ends the inning, ends the threat. But the weirdness of that really came with the substitution. If you were going to call the double steal, why on earth pinch hit for Kirk Casale? Because now he's out. He's done. You're not having him behind the plate anymore. And Matt Davidson sees all of two pitches. Here's the problem. That's also the catcher's spot. So when the next inning comes up, guess what? You got to bring out Tucker Barnhart. And Matt Davidson sees all of two pitches, and he's done for the game. So right there, you burn two guys that you really didn't need to burn at all if you were going to do a double steal. I, I don't I, I don't get that. And then another head scratching David Bell decision comes into play later on in the game. In the top of the eleventh inning, with one out, the Braves decide to remove reliever Will Smith and bring in Darren O'Day. Will Smith is a left-handed pitcher. Darren O'Day is a right-handed pitcher. Throws sidearm, but that's not really relevant to the point here. But with that, and the leadoff spot up, he decides to pinch hit for Nick Senzel. Okay, whatever. He pinch hits. He tries to do the lefty-righty thing. I wanted to see Shogo in this game anyway, so here we are. Here's Shogo. He bats. He strikes out swinging. So you're like, okay, well, at least Shogo's in the game. We'll get him going. And so there's two outs. And then Nick Castellanos doubles. And then Joey Votto intentionally walked. And then Eugenio Suarez walks. So we've got the bases loaded again. Two outs, top of the 11th inning. And then Mike Moustakis comes up, and it's good morning, good afternoon, good night. 
inning over. There were a lot of those strikeouts with runners in scoring position. But to follow up on the Shogo thing, we come to the top of the 12th, the very next inning. Aquino leads it off with a single. Jesse Winker gets a single. Two runners on, nobody out. Aquino even advances to third on Winker's single. Then Kyle Farmer strikes out swinging. Then Tucker Barnhart strikes out swinging. And they had uh, Travis Jankowski brought in to pinch run for Jesse Winker, who is another guy who's on the playoff roster. Like, whoa, is this August? Like, what's happening? And then he decides, David Bell does, decides to play the matchups. Because back in the 11th, after Suarez walked to load the bases, they removed Darren O'Day, a right-handed pitcher, and brought in Tyler Matzik, a left-handed pitcher. And because there was a left-handed pitcher on the mound, David Bell thought that he had to sub out Shogo and bring in a right-handed hitter. Or in this case, a switch hitter named Freddie Galvis. There is no situation where I want to see Freddie Galvis instead of Shogo. I do not understand that. I get it. Freddie Galvis has pop, and we didn't really see a whole lot of pop from Shogo, but we've seen some really good at-bats from Shogo. He gets all of one at-bat in his first playoff game ever. Man, you're paying $7 million to come here and play the outfield and be your leadoff hitter. You give him one at-bat, and then you sub him for Freddie Galvis, who promptly sees four pitches, does not remove the bat from his shoulder, and strikes out. And ends the threat. Bases loaded. Pinch hitter comes in. Doesn't even offer at a pitch. I don't get it. And I know at some point, whenever a manager makes a move, the guys have to be accountable to hold up their end of the bargain and actually execute. But that is not a situation where I think David Bell was bringing his best man in. I think if you compare Shogo and Freddie Galvis... Even with the whole righty-lefty matchup situation, I would still rather have Shogo. I'd still rather take my chances lefty-on-lefty with Shogo at the plate. I don't get that. There's two moves that I do not understand, and that move especially kind of put them in a bind. And Travis Jankowski also pinched running in the 12th inning for Jesse Winker. I mean, I guess I kind of get that a little bit, but that also put them in a bind. With the bases loaded and two outs, in the top of the 13th, which ended up being the Reds' final chance. And it it felt like it at the time, even, too. Like, before we even got to the bottom of the 13th, it felt like this was the Reds' last straw. They'd had so many chances leading up to this point that they weren't going to survive another letdown. But they had Travis Jankowski coming up to bat because he had pinch pinch run for Jesse Winker. So then David Bell doesn't want Jankowski to bat, so he brings in Jose Garcia who don't get me wrong, he's got a bright future. That's not the guy that I want to live and die with. That's not the guy that I want to take that last at bat in the 13th inning with everything on the line. And you look at the Braves lineup, and they still had most of their horses in there. And yeah, we can go back and forth as to whose lineup is better, and the Braves lineup has been the better side this season. But they left their guys in. They left their guys who maybe their platoon split doesn't look amazing. And some of them, like Freddie Freeman, kind of defy platoon splits altogether. But they, they're not subbing their guys out. They're not trying to make all these weird substitutions that maybe put them in a better spot. Maybe don't. Maybe it's a lateral move. Maybe it's a diagonal move. 
The Reds are over here doing all of this stuff. And it just, it, it did not work. And the pitching was phenomenal. It was absolutely amazing. You could not have asked for a better pitching game from the Reds. Trevor Bauer sets the postseason record for most strikeouts by a Red. Strikes out 12 batters in seven and two-thirds innings. Then Rysel Iglesias comes in and strikes out a bunch of people. Then Michael Lorenzen comes in and strikes out a bunch of people. Lucas Sims strikes out a bunch of people. 21 strikeouts as a team? That's insane. And Amir Garrett comes in. Really tough situation. Archie Bradley had led a couple base runners on. You had less than two outs, runner on third, Freddie Freeman at the plate. You knew that Amir Garrett was going to pitch against Freddie Freeman as he allowed one hit to left-handed hitters in the last 23 times he'd faced left-handed hitters. But it's just Freddie Freeman's probably going to be the NL MVP. So, you know, he ends up winning that. But the Reds lost it well before the bottom of the 13th. Far, far too many missed opportunities, and that puts them into now an elimination situation. They cannot lose anymore. They lose, the season's over. Now they got to win. Here's the thing, though. I think they're going to, and I'm going to tell you why here in just a minute, but before we do, are you trying to do some repairs on your car? Are you looking to get some parts? Check out rockauto.com. They've got all the parts that your car will ever need, and they will help you find exactly what you need, even if you're not necessarily a grease monkey. You just go to rockauto.com. Check out the drop-down list on the left side of all the different car companies. Find your make, find your model, and they'll have a drop-down list of every single part for your car. Or If you're a little bit more mechanically savvy, know what you like. They've got all the best brands so you can find your favorite brand. Check out rockauto.com today. And in the checkout section, type in the How'd You Hear About Us area, Locked On, to let them know that your pal Jeff from the Locked On Reds podcast sent you. Rock Auto is also super convenient because when you order your parts, they come right to your door. That way you don't have to get out, go to a brick and mortar store, find what you're looking for, talk to some dude that looks a little sketchy and ask him where the stuff is. No, 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 none of that. You go to rockauto.com, order your parts, they'll bring them right to you. Rockauto.com has all the parts your car will ever need. And when you go there, type in the how'd you hear about us section, Locked On. I know that was a bit of a long rant about that game, but that was a really long game. And if you watched it on television, you can probably sympathize with me on this one, but uh, the broadcast team made it even longer. Really, really thought that A-Rod was absolutely terrible. I had to mute that in the third inning. I turned on the radio, and yeah, I know there's a little bit of a delay there. I don't have MLB.TV where I can sync everything up that way, but the radio broadcast was just awesome. Because, oh my gosh, and I just got to, I got to mention it. I, I know that everybody was blowing it up on Twitter whenever it happened, but the first time that Aristides Aquino comes up to bat, the two announcers, there's Matt Vaskersian and it was Alex Rodriguez. Matt Vaskersian says, all right, A-Rod, what can we expect from Aristides Aquino? Or, you know, thereabouts. I don't, that's not word for word. That's me remembering him saying basically what it was. And A-Rod was like, he's tall. He wears the number 44. I'm thinking Eric Davis. Huh? Wait wait a minute. What are we talking about here? Eric Davis? I don't think so, man. I I love Aristides Aquino, and I I really want to see him continue to develop as a player. He literally said that because he's tall and he wears the number 44. What kind of stupid analysis is that? 
please, dear Lord, don't let A-Rod be on today's broadcast because I, I don't know if I can handle that. All right. It'll be another muted television. I can, That's all I know about that. All right. So anyway, let's talk about today's game because the Reds have Luis Castillo going up on the mound. And I'm telling you, I still feel good about this game, even though right now, emotionally, I'm a little bit distraught. I'm a little bit frustrated. I'm a little bit annoyed after game one loss in which all they needed to do was score one run before the ninth inning. And they couldn't do that. And then they couldn't do it in the 10th, the 11th, the 12th, or the 13th. And then the Braves did it in the 13th. And, well, here we are, down 1-0. Reds are in elimination territory. They cannot lose. Last game of the season. Can't hold anything back now. Luis Castillo on the mound going up against Ian Anderson. Ian Anderson is a rookie. This is his very first season as in 32 and a third innings with a 1.95 ERA. He does have 41 strikeouts in those 32 and a third innings compared to 14 walks. And when you dig deeper into these statistics, his first time through the lineup, he gives up a few more walks than he does the rest of the game. As an opponent faces him for the first time, they get, you know, nine walks. But the on-base percentage overall is still just 278 against him. And when you look at the batting average, very impressive. A 133 batting average first time through the order. If, if there's anything, I guess we could probably do a little spend zone with Ian Anderson. If there's anything, he's given up one home run all year long. That doesn't seem sustainable. Plus, he's only had six starts, so there's that too as well. But I think overall, I think the Reds can get into him. Now, the thing will be, he does strike out plenty of guys. He's got a K per nine of over 11. They're going to have to watch that. Just be patient up there at the plate. Looks like he tries to pitch to miss bats. But when players get contact on him, it's mostly of the ground ball variety. Over 54% of the batted balls he allows are on the ground. So we'll have to see about that. Now, Baseball Savant doesn't say that the Braves shift a whole heck of a lot whenever he's on the mound. In fact, it's only 14% of the time to left-handers. So I'm not really sure how that's going to work out because I know that the Reds have had a lot of trouble with the shift this season. And maybe the Braves see that and they decide to incorporate it a lot more with him and, and get him to induce ground balls a lot. The key with the Reds lineup will just to be incorporate that patience that they were so very good at employing the last three weeks of the season. That was one of the big reasons that they won five straight series. They, they were forcing the starters to throw lots of pitches. And I know, kind of like I said in the first half of today's podcast, the scouting report was to be aggressive against Max Fried and him using his fastball early on in the count. I think they should go back to the whole... Let's take some pitches. Let's do what we can to extend the at-bat and see where that takes the Reds because I think that will be the winning strategy for them when it comes to the lineup. And most importantly, with him being a right-hander, Shogo leading off, lots of at-bats, want to see him a lot more. I, I, I just don't understand this whole let's give him one at-bat in his first postseason game. Dude's been on a roll lately. And of course, one other thing to look out for, this is the first ever postseason start for Luis Castillo. That changeup will be on display on national television. Think he's going to do very well with this start. Worth noting, the guys that did not get any pitching in that game, in game one, TJ Antone, Tyler Malley, Wade Miley, and Robert Stevenson. They 
So you may see those guys pitching today if needed. Hopefully Luis Castillo can go deep into the game, hopefully seven-ish innings, and then you probably hand it to Antone, and then you probably, hopefully he takes it to the end. Maybe they pitch Iglesias after this. He did pitch four outs, but only through 26 pitches, so we may see him. You didn't really get a whole lot of pitch count on the relievers there, so who knows? Maybe we'll see a couple of those guys here in game two if needed hopefully not needed hopefully the bats can finally break the barrier that was around third base it's like there's this huge wall or something that they couldn't get by and it just looked like if they broke it that one time they were going to win the game and hopefully they get it off their back get that monkey off their back early here in this game on thursday so that's going to do it for us here we've got a noon start time again 12.08 on ESPN. Luis Castillo and Ian Anderson going at it. The Reds is looking to stave off elimination. We'll have all of the reactions coming up after the game on Thursday going into Friday here on the Locked On Reds podcast. You're not going to want to miss it. Make sure that you're subscribed. That way you don't miss it. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr and at Locked On Reds for all the instantaneous reaction throughout the game. And save the Locked On Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. And we'll have a Jeff's Junk Mail segment later on this week. But that's going to do it for us here today. Thanks so much for downloading and listening. Now tell your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball. And I will talk to all of you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.